Hello, channel pros. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. I am Rob Spee, your cycling, sailing, and channel fanatic and host of the Channel Journeys. I'm actually becoming a partner ecosystem fanatic. I have to admit, though, I, I haven't been doing much cycling lately, and my Murph training, well, it's, it's totally fallen apart. Having a week-long business trip directly after my week of sailing sure didn't help, but it was that nasty cold I brought home from Miami that really did me in. There seems to be a lot of that going around. But I've almost recovered. I got back out on the bike this weekend. I, I felt okay, not too bad. Hope you're doing okay and, and staying in good physical and mental shape. One of the things we're really focused on at Beyond Trust is driving partner success. We just launched our enhanced partner program. We branded Partner Trust, and, and it's designed to do a lot of different things to drive that success. But we're always asking ourselves, what else could we be doing to better align our partners with the customer journey? Fortunately, I've got a great resource, over 100 podcast interviews that I, I often go back and turn to for advice. And I found a great one. It's my interview with Hope Galley from Cisco that I recorded quite a while ago. But she shared what they were doing with their Lifecycle Advisor program. And I think they were really ahead of the curve on this one. So I'm going to relaunch her interview as a reminder on what we should all be thinking about. Are you ready to drive partner success? Let's go. Welcome to Channel Journeys the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hey, Hope Galley, good morning. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. And where do we reach you today? I am in the D.C. metro area, so in the nation's capital. All right, right in the thick of things. Excellent. Well, we are going to talk about an interesting topic, I think, that I've been wanting to dive more into around customer success and leveraging partners for customer success. And it, you have done a lot of work around this. Cisco is obviously known for partnering and customer success. so. No surprise that I end up on your doorstep to talk about this topic. Well, we're happy to have you here on our doorstep because there's a lot to talk about. There is. There is. All right. But maybe we can start just on, you've had a long journey with Cisco and the channel, and we'll get into that, your whole journey a little bit later. But what are you working on today? What's your, in your current role, your current mission? Yeah. Currently, I lead our America's partner organization for what we call software and services and I'm aligned to our CX team. So our current mission now is getting readiness in the channel for our whole new selling motion of what we call customer success or CX internally. So Cisco made an investment two years ago, starting down this journey. We've made some executive investments with some industry leaders, one being Maria Martinez, who came in to lead customer success for us as a company. And my team is the interface into the channel, working with getting our partners ready, making sure they're prepared and educating them on this new selling motion, which is different than what we've traditionally done in Cisco over the last 30 plus years. Now, customer success is not new to Cisco though, right? That's been a focus going back even to the John Chambers days, right? Correct. I mean, customer success for us, we're a customer-oriented company, right? So the customer is always front and center. And if you talk to anyone at Cisco now, it's moved from being customer success to customer obsession. 
So it's just taking that that customer success that we've had and putting it on steroids is the way I defined it. So it's it's supersizing it to obsession now instead of success. All right. I like the new term. So customer obsession, is that something that, that originated with Chuck Robbins taking over? It did. It, it actually, uh, Ria Martinez brought it in when she came a little over a year ago. She came from SAP, but it's something that Chuck has definitely embraced in his role as well as all of us as leaders. Because as you know, the marketplace is extremely competitive right now. And we need to all be obsessed with our customers and our customer journeys in order to continue the success patterns that we've had over the last 30 plus years. Well, and especially as companies are moving to the SaaS model, where customer obsession and success is so important so that you can reduce churn and, and even get to negative churn. Correct. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. It's a key focus for us, isn't, you know, just having a customer on our books as far as a sell, but it's really what is that customer doing with our technology? How are we helping them, you know, meet their goal? What are we doing to help expand technology in those accounts to help them meet further goals and so forth? And then how are they, we, we call it choosing, using, and loving our technology so that they continue down the path with us and not only choose us, but use us and love us so that as we get to the renewal cycles, those become non-events and we just continue to build on our relationship. So I like that. Choose us, use us, and love us. Correct. And the role that partners, partners have to play a role in this at Cisco because they're such a big part of your organization and your route to market. Just let's talk about your partner organization just so folks understand the, the breadth of this. How many partners, channel partners you have and what percentage of your business is, is going through the channel? Yes. So within the, the U.S., we cover, my team covers in particular 10,000 partners. We have about 18,000 probably globally, who are highly active in what I, the services space. So with for me, I have Latin America, Canada, and the U.S. So we have partners as large as, you know, some multinational partners who, who sell across. So think of the IBMs, the big folks of the world, right? Down to, you know, our regional partners, down even further into some of that SMB market and SPs as well. So it's a very diverse marketplace and federal. We also have our system integrators. So our channel is not a one size fits all channel. We definitely have different motions for each of those different areas um, based on the market they play in, the size of the partner and so forth. So extremely diverse. And I've heard numbers as high as 80, 85% of Cisco's business going through the channel. Is that what you see in, in your region? Within my area, it's 92%. So it's in, it's in that 90 to 92% range. Wow. That's huge. That's huge. So as you've become customer obsessed and you're already partner obsessed, how do you transfer and how do you bring the channel on board and get them to be customer obsessed? What's, what's that looking like for you? I think it's twofold. One is people who know me have heard me say, this is an evolution. Cisco has always gotten into new markets, whether it be how we got into telephony originally or how we've gotten into, you know, the UCS platform or different different platforms, different areas of the business. But this transformation is truly customer driven and our partners are seeing it as well. You know, they're seeing how people work in their environment, what they want access to, how they want to operate and so forth. So they're seeing it change the way they go to market. And they're really looking to us to say, how can you help me make this change? Whether it be how we pay people, how we recognize, you know, our revenue, 
how we get our customers on a SaaS platform. What does that sales process look like? And they're, they're looking at us not only as a manufacturer, but true business partner. And this is what I think really makes us unique at Cisco is that 30 plus years that we've had. Many of our partners are 20 plus year partners of Cisco and they trust us. So it is a true give and take. So what we're doing with our partner base is, is helping educate them on what we're seeing in the market and helping make sure mm -hmm. they understand it and then translating, helping them translate it into their market, whether it be through some of our consultants we offer for free or through some of our third-party consultants that we offer or through members of my team. So it's a true partnership effort. It's a partnership effort. It's customer driven, but it's also partner driven from what you're saying, because the partners are reacting to the change in the customer and they're coming to you for help. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have a variety of, as you mentioned, quite a broad partner ecosystem with a lot of partners and different partner types. I'm sure you've got your resellers, your service providers, your ISVs, all of those. Are they all engaged in part of this program that you're putting together around customer success? They are all engaged and they're at different phases based on their business and their customer needs. But this is, you'll hear us say it at Cisco, this isn't just a CX go-to-market that we're talking about. This is Cisco's new sales motion. We all own it in Cisco and our partners all own it with us. So they're all coming with us and we're creating programs and education and enablement for them based on their market segment, what they want to do with us in this new evolution. So you're transforming how you go to market, transforming kind of the messaging around that and the, the messaging of your sales force. And at the same time, bringing partners into that whole transformation. Absolutely. And you developed program around this, the Lifecycle Advisor program. Is that something new that you developed in this whole mission? Um, it's something that came out of our global partner organization over the last couple of years. And it is a Lifecycle program that gets our partners. It's what I call almost like a gym membership, right? Gets them used to flexing the muscle and gets them used to understanding what deliverables they're going to need to be successful um, in this motion. And that was developed out of our global partner organization a little over two years ago. Okay. With the intent and focus on customer success and obsession on the customer's experience. Yeah. It's really focused on not just the sell of the customer, right? But what comes after that? Again, going back to the, yes, they've chosen us, us and our partners, but how are they using the technology? How are we helping them use the technology? What business concerns are we meeting? And then are they loving what they're doing? How are we getting into those phases? You'll often see if you come to a Cisco event, us talking about the racetrack, which Maria Martinez brought to Cisco. And that's really the whole complete life cycle. And, and we've committed to our partners through our Cisco organization that one, we'll do this with them. And two, there'll be opportunities for them on every step of the racetrack during mm -hmm. the sale and offer after the sale. And we're committed to if, if we can do this successfully, we'll all grow. They'll grow and we'll grow and we'll have happy customers. That's really the end state. So is this a choose, use, love racetrack? Correct. It is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So why did you decide or did, I know it's not you, I'm saying you collectively for Cisco and the Global Channel Organization, decide to create this separate lifecycle advisor program when you already have partner programs. You have, I was looking on your website, you have a channel partner program, a solution partner program, 
cloud and managed service partner program. You could, I guess, bake it into those programs. Do you know why they created a separate program focused on this? Yeah, the, the largest thing is, you know, Lifecycle Advisors, a program is invitation only is how it started out. And it was based on getting our partners to have profitability levers and education around this motion. So it was different than, yes, you sell X and you make Y and you get Z. You know, it was more around how do you go about it? How are you selling to the business influencers, not the IT shop? And so it was different than what we would call our traditional either profitability programs or our traditional programs. So we saw it as such an important area for Cisco and for our partners to start to understand that motion that we made the decision to make the investment to do Lifecycle Advisor two plus years ago. And is it still invite only? It is expanding. We're going to be expanding it as we go into FY20. Our calendar year ends here at the end of July. So August, we will have a form of a life cycle program that will be open to all partners. And we announced last year at our partner summit, what we're calling our CX specialization, which will take over for life cycle advisor. And it is our first business specialization that we've ever had at Cisco. And it hmm. will be open to all partners. And when you say business, as opposed to technical specification, is it, are there even separate lines of business specializations? It, it is focused on that racetrack. So it is focused on folks who understand up to the cell, post-cell, and getting us through the renewal process. So it is that choosing, using, and loving motion. Gotcha. Okay. And is this like a typical partner program where you have certain benefits of the program, but also certain requirements to be be a member and to get those benefits. Yes, yes, there will there will be things similar to our existing programs around profitability levers and so forth and personnel or requirements involved. We're launching mm -hmm. it at the end of um this at this fiscal year for us, so I can't talk about the specifics with you, but it will have something around that that notion that we've always had with our partners where we want to make sure that we truly have a dedicated person for this or a dedicated practice for this as we move forward. Yeah. I've spoken with other vendors who aren't doing this and they have built out their own customer success teams, even though they have a channel, they have partners, but they're seeing it as their responsibility to get engaged with these customers and are, are doing it much more than their partners. What do you think the benefits are? What are the reasons why partners are so important and a critical channel for customer success? I think twofold. One, if you look at Cisco, we have one of the most powerful sales forces in the world, and that is because of our partners. It's because of their mm -hmm. reach and their force multiplier and what they can do. We've built our, we've shown through the last 30 plus years how that scaling and partnership has allowed us to continue to be a market leader. And as we go into CX, we think there's no different. You'll hear Chuck Robbins say and others, you know, we're doing this with our partners. It hasn't been done before with a company such as ourselves, but we all believe that we can do it because we do have such a trust and a scaling engine and just a capable partner community who is coming together and doing, you know, more and wants to do more. So I think that secret sauce that Cisco has had as a channel leader is going to be our differentiator. And it's definitely going to be the partners are so key. 
And what's the customer's reaction, do you think, you know, in terms of these partners taking ownership of that and their success? I would think that they would like that as their trusted local advisor that's working with them as opposed to depending on the vendor. Yeah, I would think, you know, if I was a customer and I'm a, I'm a Cisco and partner customer, which most of ours are, they've trusted us with their business for a number of years. So to have that trusted advisor mentality and those folks who understand their business, I think would give them great comfort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would think so too. How are you measuring? Are you measuring? Are there like some leading indicators that you look for from a partner for their readiness to do this? And then kind of after the fact, what do you measure for their success in creating true customer happiness? Yeah. So we have some indicators through our a couple of our internal consulting groups that we utilize at Cisco that go in and look at partners and see where they are from a standpoint around their staff, around their business processes, how adapt they are, how open they are to change, how they pay their people today, how they recognize revenue, kind of look at it as a holistic, you know, business, when I would say overview. And they, mm -hmm. they look at it and they have indicators within there, within our group that we utilize that says certain partners who meet X qualifications are ready to make that change. At the same time, there are indicators that they may come up and say, hey, they're not ready, but if they do these three things, it would get them ready. So that's a free service that we provide through our, our consulting group out of APO, led by Moshe Brzezinski, that will come in and look at someone's business and say, yes, we think you're ready. No, here are three things that we would suggest and so forth. And that's a non-fee activity that we provide to mm -hmm. our partners. And we've done that with quite a few over the last year and a half. Motion team have been intimately involved in helping our partners make this transition. What are some of the things you look for or maybe some things that you've noticed of, of the partners that are doing the best job of, the, of this? Any certain characteristics that you're seeing? What we've seen is one executive buy-in. You know, just like we see with Chuck. Always important. Yeah, just what we see with Chuck, you know, within Cisco, making the changes he's made and, and bringing in the individuals he's brought in. The executive sponsor is critical for the success because unlike other transitions, this will change the way, you know, they recognize maybe cash flow or how they pay their people or how they look at health scores of customers and so forth. So that's number one. So I have a team, we call them the SWAT team in the US where we've picked some partners and that's the number one commitment. We have to have an executive sponsor and they have to be committed to meeting with us and going through the metrics. So that's number one. Number two, the other thing is, do they currently have some sort of customer success motion or subscription motion where they've been successful? So do they have that muscle already, whether it be with Cisco or other manufacturers or other businesses that they're in? Do they have that motion? That's number two. And then if we can get through one and two, then we start them in what we call this, you know, three phase model where we look at business model, operating model, and then their organizational model. And we dig down into that. And that's really the three phase approach we're utilizing to gotcha. determine the partners. And your SWAT team, that's a channel SWAT team going out and working with these partners? Correct. So we kicked this off in September of last year, where we 
wanted to double down on particular partners to help them get to the next level and, and be ready as the portfolios come out around customer success. And so we initiate that team. We have one in the U.S. on the West Coast, West Central, and then we have one in the U.S. in the East South. And we're going to be expanding that to my Latin America and Canadian teams. We've seen great success in that. They have grown at two plus times their peers. We're seeing them invest in teams similar to Cisco. We're seeing executive buy-in. We're seeing their business be more profitable mm -hmm. due to the motion. So it is in a very short period of time, in less than a year, partners are coming to us saying, can we get into the SWAT team? Can we get into that? You know, so we are looking to expand it to bring more partners in to give them that extra level of support to make the transition. Very nice. What kind of skill sets do you look for to staff the SWAT team? What What are their background? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I call them ninjas in their own right, right? So we have a life cycle expert on the team. So that's usually someone who has sold it or managed in a SaaS environment before, right? Who understands the life cycle motion. We then have a software expert on that team who can go deep into our buying models and understand the connection, the value pitch between the buying models to the architectures. We then have a, someone on that team who's extremely deep in our existing service portfolio and the connection into what it will look like in the future. And then fourth, we have a lead who leads the executive discussion. So mm. think of them as like the quarterback and you have like a running back, right? And a wide receiver and so forth. But they are deep in each of their specialty areas. And we brought them in particularly because what we found is people doing the same motion over and over again, they become so skilled and they've seen so much that they really become almost quasi-consultants to the partners. And it's been really, really successful. We've had, like I've said, I get requests every week saying, can we be part of that? I, I know you're mm -hmm. looking at FY20, Hope. Can we be at it? You know, can I buy you flowers? No, I'm just kidding. But we're really seeing that be a, a game changer for us with our partners. Well, it's, it's nice that people are asking. It's not the redheaded stepchild team that people get thrown at when they're... Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to hear. What about technology? You know, there are a number of customer success platforms now that are out there. Is that a requirement for operating, you know, not just doing this internally, but through the channel? Yeah, we're working through that now for, you know, recommendations. Those will probably come out as we go into FY20. Cisco is working a lot with SAP and others on what our platform will be. And so I look for there to be, you know, a formal launch, you know, in that our next fiscal year and suggestions to the partners on what they should utilize. We're really looking at, we're not in the business, as, as you know, of dictating what partners utilize, right? Because we want them to have flexibility. So we're looking at, you know, as many platforms as we can so that partners have a choice. And they also, if they're working on something that works, we want to make sure the APIs and so forth can integrate into our system. So right. a lot of work's being done behind the scenes on that. Okay. And you already had a platform that you were using that Cisco was using. We had a platform that we've been using for some of this motion, but as we move forward, we're adding on to those platforms and, and really standardizing across the company. So there's a big effort around that right now internally. Okay, good. Any thoughts? I'm thinking, okay, people are listening to this and are thinking, okay, I, I want to get my partners more engaged in customer success, or maybe I want to propose 
a program like this to my management? Any tips that you have for, you know, people out there listening to this that want to get engaged in this? I mean, I think they're, you know, I've always believed to be a student of whatever business you want to become a part of. So I would highly recommend for partners on the, or customers on the call to, to look at TSIA and get on their blogs and, and look at what they're talking the customers about. They're a leading industry indicator and they've been talking a lot about, they've, they've call it land, adopt, expand, and renew, right, Lair? Mm-hmm. But that motion, I would encourage them to look on there. There's a lot of great blogs, a lot of great information around where the industry is going. I would also tell them to read the book, Customer Success. It is Maria Martinez, who is our executive vice president of CX, writes the forward for it. But it it talks about, you know, we've seen companies go through not making customer success decisions and what's happened to their business. And we've seen some who have done it well. And that that book is a great book. It talks about, you know, how the channel plays in and how the partners play into the, the motion and so forth. So those two pieces of information I would highly recommend looking at. And again, they're non-Cisco, but they're industry-leading publications and a book to read. Yeah. And folks, if you're not familiar with TSIA, they have such great content. I followed them a lot. I used a lot of their content uh, when I was at SAS. A lot of great material. And I have not read Customer Success. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that they talk about partners in that book. They do. So, okay. I will have those links to those in the show notes. And I've got to get a copy of that myself. All right. So, Hope, a lot of great conversation on customer success. And let's jump over to your channel journey. And <laughs> we'd love to hear. So, from LinkedIn, it looked like you joined Cisco about 19 years ago as a CAM. Was that your first role? Yes, it was. It was my first role. So what made you decide to become a CAM? What what led you to the channel in the first place? Um, Chuck Robbins led me to the channel, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, there could be worse ways to get there. Ironically. Now, I actually came to, to Cisco. I was actually working for Liebert, part of Emerson now, leading one of their sales offices here in the Mid-Atlantic. And I was doing both direct and partner sales, right? So working with partners, partners had always been a big part of my go-to-market And actually, Cisco reached out to me around two different positions at Cisco, one a direct AM role and the other being in the channel. And it was interesting because I had never been in the channel before, and this was 19 years ago. And Cisco was really doing something unique at that time. And as I talked to partners who I was working with in my role before I came over, there was so much excitement around the company and partnership that it really just got me pumped. I don't know how else to say it versus being, you know, a territory AM. So Chuck was actually the hiring manager at the time. And I accepted the role in his organization as a CAM and it was the right decision. It was when we were really coming out with the first channel programs and really getting into the meat of it and recruiting Mm -hmm. partners and evangelizing our story. So very much like I do today, right? Evangelizing the story of customer success and software and services and the direction Cisco's going. That's where I was 19 years ago. So it's exciting. The channel had you at hello. They pretty much did. As you know, I bounced back and forth, right? Yeah. I've been a global account manager. I've been an RM and And every time I leave, I come back. There's something special about relationships, the human relationship and what you can do together as individuals for a greater good is really powerful. And I see that every day in what we do, whether it's helping soldiers on the, 
you know, battlefield, having been in public sector or, you know, working with commercial small businesses to get afloat or, you know, hospital technology. I mean, there's just, it, it's really invigorating to see what our partners can do with us and our technology to, to change the world, right? It is. And I loved how you mentioned relationships because that, that you're right. That's the heart of it. And that's probably why I fell in love with channels in my career too, is building those relationships with partners and professional relationships, friendships, and just helping them be successful was, was so much fun. And it is so much fun. It is. It's a special, it's a really special place. I think business relationships, especially in a world where technology can take over a lot. I have children, so, you know, Twitter mm -hmm. and, you know, texting and FaceTiming, but really that face-to-face -face building a business and, and having a vested interest, it's exhilarating for me. It really is. <laughs> Thinking of children, do you think, you know, 20 years from now, you know, our, our kids are sitting uh, there with their partner sitting at lunch and instead of talking, they're just sitting there texting each other? Oh, no. In my mind, I always have this image. <laughs> It's funny you say that. I always have this image of Ch John Chambers a few years ago at our sales meeting showed up as a hologram, right, on the main stage. Uh -huh. And I always have this image of like my kids just sitting wherever in their PJs and like, you know, doing like calls or whatever they're going to do <laughs> for their life, right? And there's just a hologram, kind of like the Jetsons of whoever they're talking to in front of them or Star Trek, right? Yeah. Or their heads are down and they're sitting at the same table just texting back and forth, right? <laughs> I really hope that's not the case just for the human, the good of human, <laughs> humans in general. Funny image for sure. Well, with the pace of innovation, your hologram, you know, scenario is probably not too far off base. Right. I, yeah. I can see that happening. Yep. I can see that well, happening. So talk about obsessions. You're Cisco, you're customer obsessed, you're partner obsessed, but we chatted before this call and, and you also have another obsession and I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I, had, I had to look it up. OTF. Oh, yes. I am orange theory obsessed. It is. It's funny. They say it's like the three to four times a week, like an orange vitamin, right? It's a workout program, like a cross heart rate kind of hit kind of program. And, and in fact, I went this morning at 615. It is for me, whether I'm on the road and I don't get paid by them, just, just in full disclosure, <laughs> but I'm so, I've started it at the beginning of the year and I, I go five to six times, even if I'm on the road, I'll, I'll find a studio close by, you know, no matter where I am, they also have a studio in Costa Rica, by the way. And I will go and it is an hour for me just to, you know, clear my head to work out, to get in an impactful workout in an environment that is just like a family. It's a whole nother relationship right there. So I am absolutely obsessed and no, they do not pay me even though everyone thinks they do because every time I talk to someone, I'm like, have you tried OTF? You should really try OTF. It's really great. So it's like personal training at a, like an 18th of a co the cost, right? Yeah. Because you're in a small classroom environment. I really, I've always been athletic, but I, it's just something about that hour. No cell phone, you know, my watch turned off to do not disturb and just can go at it and then go on with my day. It's it's really been life changing for me. And again, not paid by them. Just to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Great to hear. Well, great conversation, Hope. Is there anything that I missed? Anything that I didn't ask you about customer success and partners or any other topic that you wish I would have asked that you wanted to mention? No, I, I think, you know, I really appreciate you having me on. And we are, 
you know, at Cisco, we've always been at the forefront and this is one of those opportunities. I say this to my team all the time and to our partners. What we're doing right now will someday, in my mind, be the equivalent of a Harvard business study on how Cisco made the transition and how we did it with our partners. And I'm just grateful to all of them for coming along the journey with us and having the trust in us. And I appreciate the time to talk about it. It's an exciting time, whether it's Cisco or not, just what's going on in the market in general in the world around technology. So I appreciate the time. Well, you're welcome. And thank you. Thanks for joining. I really appreciate it as well. And so we're going to tell folks they got to look at TSIA and their blogs. They've got to read customer success and they got to follow Hope Galley on LinkedIn. There we go. All sounds like winners (laughs) to me. All right. Fantastic. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day and have more great Orange Theory workouts. I definitely will tomorrow morning, 730. Awesome. Talk to you later. Thanks for the time. You're welcome. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure. All right, guys, there you go. A blast from the past that really hasn't aged a bit. Thanks again to Hope for sharing all that knowledge. I love her energy. Thank you for listening. For today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com slash CJ114. You can subscribe while you are there. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your channel friends, your CROs, your customer success team, anyone who you think might, uh, might gain something from this. Next episode, we're going to explore a fascinating topic, the new capabilities of generative AI that seem to have exploded out of nowhere when ChatGBT hit the scene. These capabilities are just blowing me away, and and I'm not sure if we should be excited or or fearing for our survival. We're going to find out in that interview in a few weeks. Until then, have an awesome channel journey.